this is nasty. Like, this is horrible. That it's like, I wouldn't, I would never play this game for those reasons. Right. Because as you say, the right. writing is good. And so <laughs> pair it with this and you're like, <sighs> All right, welcome to First Person Shouters. I just don't have an intro. Can somebody make something up for me? I wish I, I normally would step in here, but I'm quite unwell. Maybe. <laughs> Hang on, that's perfect. Welcome to First Person Shouters, where we regularly don't record because we're all adults and ill all the time. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Yes. But we're here. We we climbed that hill for you this week. Yes. We're here. Yes. So Johnny is still not with us. Cassie is currently sick. Chris is recovering from gastro flu. I've had two weeks of stomach hell, but we've made it. We're here. And we also have a guest this week, Bertine, if you'd like to say hello. Hi. Woo! Hi. Uh, hello. Yeah, so I'm Kitty, uh, resident self-proclaimed indie expert uh, on the uh, within the group. Uh, Chris, yourself? I'm, I'm Chris. I, uh, I, I like action games, RPG, and, and some strategy games. Uh, and I, I will not be stopped by illness. <laughs> I will be here. Like, <laughs> I will be if I, uh, dear listeners, if I sound a little bit off this week, I am recovering from a, a flu, which I've been complaining about vigorously for two days. But I am on the, I am on the up, and I've, and I've got opinions, so I'm here to share them. You weren't complaining; you just weren't there. You were in bed, <laughs> sleeping. I imagine. <laughs> I'd wake up every now and again and have a little oh, complain. I just yeah. <laughs> uh, and Bertine, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Bertine. I've been stuck in games for 15 years. I can't find a door. I don't know what happened. I think somebody threw away the key. And I also like games. Wow. And I'm not sick. <laughs> I don't understand these people. Why are they sick are... all the time? What What is it about Irish people? Oh, Bertine. It's great you're here. We have a lovely, healthy guest. No, look at that. We <laughs> what, So what secretly happens is we drain the energy of the healthy hosts or the healthy guest. Um, and that's how we power ourselves to continue on. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. Um, we're going to start by talking about some of the games we played recently, uh, uh, explaining a little bit about them and why we like them and maybe why we don't like them, etc., etc. Uh, so who'd like to go first? Um, you want to go first, Chris? Well, I, well, yeah, I have a really obvious one, I guess, uh, given the, the time of year. Uh, yeah, I've been playing God of War Ragnarok and uh and it's great and i don't know if there's even much point in explaining what it is at this point because like it's one of those massive you know releases for the playstation 5 third person action adventure game second in the reinvention of uh the, the god of war series which was like the super edgy super violent isometric action game on the on the ps2 ps3 i can't even remember now um but yeah it, it's it's just great fun if you played the the original god of war from a couple of years ago it's more or less more of the same in a good way. It has a wonderfully realized world. You are Kratos. You're looking after your son, who's just, you know... He's older now, right? An annoying. He's older now. He's a teenager, so he's even more annoying. Um, but it, it, it's like it's part of the story. Kratos <laughs> is crying, trying to come to terms with like being a responsible dad who murdered everyone in the past and caused an apocalypse and he's trying to moralize to his son but his son's like you can't tell me what to do dad you murdered everyone and we're gods and so on and so forth but like i i'm sort of uh, joking about it a bit but it's actually very well written uh which is what i like about it um 
it's absolutely like i love the realization of norse mythology like all the greek gods the relationships between them um i love as you're playing through it the way the writing's done like it's not just a straightforward you're the good guys they're the bad guys it's like there's a whole range of plots going on in the background of relationships between characters on either side and you get to spend time with different characters i don't want to spoil it too much but you, you know you'll swap in and out who you're spending time with basically at different points of the story in different ways uh, and you really it really fleshes out all the side characters like if you played any of the first ones you remember brock and sindri the little dwarves i tried to play the first one and i couldn't get into it christopher judge could not keep me i'm sorry as much as i uh love him to he, pieces. he is brilliant in it though you know I know. Um, but like, so like, there was just the, in the first one, there were just the dwarves, the funny dwarves that had like that would make quips, and um, like upgrade your equipment. But here, like, you spend time with them, you'll get to know them and their backstories. And yeah, the the writing is just really, really good. The story is good. Obviously, if I say too much, I'll spoil it. Um, the action is is more of the same, and I quite liked it. It's like easy Dark Souls. It's it's like. <laughs> you know, you could it's a but that's good. that's a good thing because i've often argued that you know maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if dark souls was maybe a little easier at times i've seen um, uh, talk since then sorry chris to interrupt you i've seen talk since then uh where they've said elden ring really is dark souls with an easy mode because of the way it's kind of designed but anyway that's a whole other conversation something please continue yeah, i think sorry yeah, that's okay. Honestly, I, I need to I break every now and again. T uh, talking's taking effort. I was just uh, setting up right. But I, again, I'm here because I'm dedicated to delivering you all content. No um, shit on anybody else who's not here. No, none at all. Um, yeah, no, no, it, it's really, really good. So the combat's still a lot of fun. It's like the, the tech home message is, if you love the original God of War, if you liked it, you're going to like this one because it's just kind of more of the same. I, could, I wish I could sit here and detail like, all of the extra gameplay systems they've added like i'm nearly certain there is just more equipment you can upgrade like you can buy more little things to stick to your shield or to your handles of your weapons or there's new amulets but i can't quite remember the first one i'm not going back to play it for a while um but so yeah it just feels like there's a lot more the skill trees are expanded you know all, all the kind of stuff so in a way i'm talking an awful lot about a game that i don't have an awful lot to say other than it's just a very consistent quality uh but to me yeah like it's what keeps you coming in is coming back to it is yeah really solid writing it looks great because it's first party playstation game i mean of course it's gonna look great um it's a, it's actually a good story uh and i just i love the world it's dripping with atmosphere and you know getting to interact with all the the shitty norse gods because they're all awful just like all the greek gods were awful so yeah it's it's tons of fun i really love it i really do um and for those that really really want to get into it and go down the like hardcore get all the best upgrades and all the best armor stuff you could do that uh for me i'm a little more casual it's just i just want a fun time with like options to fool around with you can do that as well it kind of makes me wonder because i think about this with her games like horizon zero dawn and assassin's creed and all those kind of ones that are that are essentially more of the same right um and the games industry in general has a problem where audience get fatigued fairly quickly i think with uh with more of the same even if there's like years breaks in between so it kind of makes me wonder if they keep doing that how long they've got uh but but i don't know like the, the last horizon zero for me was or horizon was like yeah i'm not even sure if i'll play the next one because it was just completely literally just the same but um well, I have an interesting reflection there. Like, so I agree. I played Forbidden West, and it was not—it was nowhere a bad game. Like, no. it was technically good, mm -hmm. but I, I, 
like I felt like I'd seen it all before. Yeah. Um, apart from the the flying mount, which was a great addition, but they could have given you that a lot earlier. Yeah. But there was still like the desert zone, the jungle zone, and there was the villages in each. You know, this kind of thing. One thing I'll say I for God of War is it's not. I know it's kind of an open world. It's like a series of hub worlds essentially. And to me, God of War always felt a lot more like like a successor to Zelda. Like it takes a lot more notes from Zelda's book than it does from an open world. And it really focuses like yes, there's a world. You can kind of do stuff. There's there's a rough amount of freedom of when you can do stuff, but it's also fairly linear. And um, you have less freedom, but everything's sort of very nicely crafted to to reach that specific point. Uh, and there's a lot of effort put into the different zones and their themes and their history. So yeah, it's it is kind of open world, but I'd make the argument again. It's more like the sort of the hub worlds you get in in games like Zelda, where it's I mean not Breath of the Wild because obviously that's going a completely different direction now. Um, but yeah, it, it feels a little different. I don't know, God of War just, just felt different to those third-person action games. And I think a lot of it as well is just the sheer level of quality. Yeah. It's not, like, I wasn't comparing them to the, that other games, just saying that whenever you get, like, a game that's, like, very similar, repeated over time, people get fatigued on it. But uh, it's only the second one, so it, I'm sure it has a lot more longevity yet um okay cool uh do you have anything else you want to talk about or will we move on no it's just very good i'll uh, i may nice. be talking about it again soon who knows okay who knows uh Bertine, do you want to go next yeah yeah i want to go next uh because i have a dilemma <laughs> um i have been playing i'm just gonna look at my steam thing i have been playing this game for 244 hours. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot, Bertin. Or I've left it open for two, or I've left it open for 244 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love this game. I think it's one of uh, the best CRPGs that I've played in a while. Uh, it is so epic. It is so beautiful. It is so detailed, and yet I can't recommend it to anybody. Mm-hmm. Because so here's the thing. Um, about, I think now it's about three years ago, we had like one of the many gaming me too's, but this was one of the first ones. And one of the writers on this team was mentioned. And I knew this writer, or rather I thought I knew this guy. Apparently I didn't. Um, and despite that he was outed uh, and he was also kicked off a few teams, this team decided to still collaborate with him, not just for their previous title, but also for this title. Oof. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I kind of like looked into what type of team it was and um, it's all, it, it, all re- it, it gave me just a bit of a bad feeling. So that's why I'm like, I don't know if I can recommend this game. Mm. But it's not just specifically because of the person who was on the team. It is how it was executed. Um, there are elements in this game that take place in hell. Or at least fictional hell. And uh, it is very clear that they went all out to how depraved and how evil characters could be. Or also you as a player character can be. Although not as extreme as some of the NPCs. And they very happily write about this. And they will write about this in detail. Um, At no point does the game warn you that this is going to happen. So I've had some conversations where I was like, oh no, this was not the option I wanted to pick. 
but um, to to tie it down to or tie it down <laughs> to tie it back <laughs> to uh, hi <laughs> to tie it, oh. to tie it back to the problem of the writing team is is that when I read this, I don't know whether the people or the person writing this segment did it because they were like, well, I wanna I wanna depict actual genuine evil, and this is what real evil is, or whether it's just somebody's fetish or kink that I'm seeing on screen. And so you've sent me a couple of screenshots of certain bits. And yeah, that is exactly the same thought that I'm left with. Um, I, I could, if you want, I could read out the lock again. <laughs> oh my God. Just so that people have a kind of idea. I don't think we should say the name of this game. I, I think that you, it's fine to talk about it, but I think, we should just go to the recommending other games and that are good in the same genre, but um, I'll leave that final decision up to you. But yeah, um, it's uh, there was choices made, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, there were choices made, and it it goes into detail that I'm like, wow, this is. Are you are you, writer? Are you okay? Well, the answer is no. No, the writer is not okay because we we, we discovered that for years ago. We right? know they're not okay. And, Exactly, and to be fair, like I mean, a, a game of this size is written by multiple people, yeah. and and here comes the frustrating bit: is is that it is genuinely well written. It is one of the best written CRPGs that I've played. Uh, the story is epic. The way how how the system interacts with the story itself, and the kind of like the decisions and the and the um, the different directions that you can take your player character and also your party members is phenomenal i've not i've mm. i've not seen this before in a crpg um but i can't recommend it it's <laughs> it's just like it's the depiction i guess like trigger warning here i guess for people but it's the depiction of not just rape but painful like horrible gra like graphic visualizations in my head that are like this is nasty like this is horrible that it's like i wouldn't i would never play this game for those reasons right. because as you say the right. writing is good and so <laughs> pair it with this and you're like ah. <laughs> i know i know right um and and the and the weird thing is is that so normally i would go like well this is only a segment this is a one-off but it isn't it's a whole segment of the game where you don't know whether the way that you're in going to interact with the NPCs is going to trigger one of these sort of things. Mm. And personally, I'm completely fine with engaging with this sort of like extremely dark and cretaceous material, but I do want to be warned beforehand. And nothing about the game, the way how the game looks and the, how the way how the game presents itself, more importantly, the way how the game presents itself, is giving you an indication that this is going to happen. So to me, it sounds like two potential problems here, and you may correct me if I'm wrong. I know Ludonar of Dissidence isn't the right word, but it's that it's it's that kind of problem, right? Where the game is is there's two conflicting things happening there. But the other problem to me is, you know, like the age old Knights of the Old Republic problem of dialogue choices where you'll pick something and then the actual <laughs> thing that happens. Like I still remember playing I think it was the original and getting this woman who was a prostitute away from her manipulative boyfriend and then picking a choice that seemed you know 
you know, innocuous to me. And then whenever I picked it, she was like, okay, I'm your prostitute now. Come to me every week for my, for my, you know, salary. And I was like, wait, what? No, that's not what I wanted. I have a horn eye. What? <laughs> like, it, it's like that problem of the choices don't actually describe what, what they are adequately. What? Oh, you knew, Kimmy. And also, 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 it's a Knights of the Old Republic. I, I don't know. I mean, I might have missed something about Star Wars. But that is not a thing that I expect in Star Wars. What? It's edgy, gritty Star Wars. I now have a prostitute, and I'm her pimp. <laughs> I'm a pimp now. What happened? You're a pimp Jedi now. <laughs> I, I turned into a pimp Jedi, and I was like, I wanted to free her. This isn't what happened. It, it, and it's it's a recurring problem in games in general, right? In in narrative games, um, and nobody is yet to solve that problem. I think adequately. Well, so here's the thing, is that as somebody who actually directs games, um, the problem isn't the way how you prep your, your team. It's just that Star Wars is a PG-13 thing. You get to say, one fuck. <laughs> Use it well. Um, Look, Knights and, of the uh, Old Republic said no to that. Um, and this game that I, you've been playing... Yeah, like, uh, and it's so... But it's so frustrating because it's it is it's such a the, the the game is very good. It is very good. But so you're not gonna ask me like, well, Bertine, what would you recommend instead? And I'm like, well, yeah. kitty. Yes. Um so um I think the Divinity series has been excellent. Um I also think that uh Pillars of Eternity 2, so that's Dreadfire, Deadfire. Uh, um is incredibly well written uh it's it's one of the things that i think is such a such a joy to see with kind of like the new crpg revolution is that the games are so well well written it's it's like Baldur's gate it's it's fine it's fine it's fine but in the current iteration of crpgs you can see the joy that these writers have in the way how they write it but also in how seriously the, the narrative itself is being taken by the rest of the game uh, and the rest of the team by uh, by that extent. So so yeah, it's it's. I I love CRPGs. I can't help it. They're my crack. Oh, it's like me and the uh, management games. I know what that's when there's just that there's that one genre where everyone looks at you and it's like, why do you spend two hundred hours? Or like, like it's four in the morning. Like why are you not in bed? And it's like I just. I have to get the roads so that they're all parallel with each other. That's what I'm. T that's why I'm still awake. And that's me and roguelikes. Uh, so we all have we all have our our things. Uh, I think like that. Um, um, Bertine, do you do you have much of an opinion on? I have Wasteland Three. I haven't run to playing it yet. Is it worth sinking the time in? Number one. Wasteland Three. Yeah, Wasteland Three. Oh, unfortunately, I won't be able to tell you. Uh, I've not yet been able to take time for that one neither have i been able to take time for stuff like tyranny uh so and which is great for me because that means that there's a lot of games out there oh yeah uh, they're, they're, they're big yeah, chunky games nice. i know right oh yeah they're big chunky games cool awesome all right well thank you for that i wonder if any of our listeners are going to piece it together there's definitely going to be people in our discord that are going to ask when this episode comes out like Bertine, what is it tell us what it is oh, that's, their, um, that's their exact voices as well that's their exact voices. Yeah, they've been on the oh, yeah, podcast, absolutely. you all know. Um, uh, but otherwise, I'd be interested if people kind of 
piece it together but i would advise you not to like don't bother just play the good play the games that don't also contain the problematic content or 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 play or play the game but feel very bad about it like <laughs> me thought oh i had 244 hours of feeling really terrible about my 244 <laughs> yeah. the way i would put it is feel free to play the game but also be aware that you speak with your money when it when it comes to capitalism right um and so I'm shrugging right now. Speak with your money. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So uh, that's on to me. Uh, I haven't played a whole lot because I have been very sick. But the game that I have been playing and unexpectedly enjoying is Disney Dreamlight Valley. <laughs> the other other big uh, end of year quarter four release. Right. Um, so it's made by Gameloft, which is actually a local Montreal company as well uh and it's 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 fine it's basically like a, a harvest moon stardew valley type game except with disney characters um and when i'm really sick and can't really focus on anything else it's a really easy wholesome calm game to play you're just running around doing tasks for disney characters and uh, there is like an overarching like dark plot that's starting to like unravel itself where you arrive and everybody's forgotten everything right they 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 call it the forgetting and um, and it turns out there's an actual person behind the forgetting who's malicious and it turns out spoilers it may actually be you and so there's this whole dark subplot going on underneath and whatever um but in general it's just enjoyable um there's uh there's some minor things that annoy me about it and some of the characters have like idle states and donald duck makes the most annoying fucking noise in the world where he screams and then makes a train noise like he's coming into station and i'm like i ain't gonna punch this duck so hard in the mouth <laughs> it's getting really dark i'm just imagining like a scream of pain and then a train <laughs> noise, like some sort of Lovecraftian you. horror. And then, and then Kitty's like, "I'm gonna fucking punch you." You said it as a. Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you okay, Kitty? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I thought. I thought I was the person who who played a weird game. Plot, plot twist: Kitty was actually delirious, uh, and it was just Donald Duck having a little quack, like sitting there, quack, going, quack, quack, quack. No, quack, he walks. And Kitty's like, gonna fucking punch you. He falls you. on his. It's a whole thing, right? He walks along, he falls on his face, and then he gets up and goes, and then makes the, like, boiling noise. But he does it over and over again every minute. <laughs> it's really annoying. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. This is such a minor, minor gripe that is, like, so inconsequential. It's unreal. But it really annoys me in games when they have a UI menu that goes left to right, and then when you hit the end when you when you hit to go again it doesn't just go to the start of the menu again you stop and then you have to go all the way back to get to the start and i'm like why can you not do it that as you go through the menu when you hit the end and you go next again it just brings you to the start of the menu uh it's to increase the gameplay time i fucking hate it it's so it <laughs> it really it's one of those minor usability things and then there's another one where i have all these chests in my house and they're all full and one game did this uh one game did it where if you had chests when you opened one chest you could access all the chests 
you all you'd do was hit one but in this one you can't see you have to go in go to the next chest go out go in go to the next chest go out and i'm like there's some you know life quality of life stuff in dream light valley that i do like but there's a lot of stuff that they could improve that just they're minor they're so inconsequential but they annoy me because i'm that kind of wanker but yeah in general it's fine it's a good game if you like disney characters if you like wholesome games you'll like this game that's really it i'm done great i'm like still I'm... playing dead by daylight <laughs> i'm hooked uh, that's it. I mean, what what we need? We clearly need oh, like me... Donald Duck in Dead by Daylight, just for you, Kitty. Yes, I did try uh, the latest update to Phasmophobia as well. I don't know if you've played that, Bertine. It is looking I know super good. There's a whole new base. Sorry, excuse me. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Phasmophobia looking good. I know, right? What the characters still have this? animations like deck chairs folded in half. However, oh, you know, I hope they <laughs> never get rid of that because I love it so much. But um, there's a whole new base now that you can go to. Mm -hmm. And there's now like three uh, diegetic like uh, menus to look at. And, and all of the, everybody can now see all of the places and you vote on where you go to now instead of one person choosing. Um, and then you've got the main board and then your equipment is all on like this computer screen thing. And then as you collect okay, things, fancy. there's like, yeah, it's really fancy. There's like display cabinets for the things mm -hmm. that you've collected. And then the little play area has its whole other, it has its own area now. Um, and there's a new map. Um, and they, I think they realized the asylum was too big. So they've now got uh, two versions of it where it's split in half. Um, oh thank god yeah oh, thank and then god. they have new ghosts as well <laughs> so yeah there's a lot going on um i only played it the once but i definitely got to play it again because it's uh i just love that they're constantly adding and and building onto it um and the guy hasn't obviously has a team versus uh when they started but um yeah that's just worth a quick shout out um but yeah okay yeah i I, I I would be interested in trying it out again, mm. but I think I kind of like petered off when they changed the whole haunting mechanic. Uh, what did they change? Well, so it was a, like a lot less. Um, I mean, it sounds stupid, but it was a lot less predictable. Rather, like everything was much more localized, mm. uh, and so it didn't really feel like you were working as a team anymore because normally it's like oh shit the haunting is happening that person is trying to run away that person is trying to hide and now it's like oh we don't know whether kitty just went out to grab a, a cup of water or whether kitty is hiding right like because mm -hmm. the rest of the team doesn't get the feedback um, and so it, it became, for me, it felt like a lot more individualistic. But maybe maybe after playing a little bit more, it's going to be different. Yeah, because like, the last time I played with Sarah and Sam, it was really interesting, actually, because I think we were in the school. Uh, no, it wasn't the school. Maybe it was the asylum. Anyway, we were somewhere. And, it, and like the game wasn't that enjoyable because we were all dispersed trying to find the ghost. And then at the end, we were like, oh, we just can't find it. So all of us went in on what, as one big grip, walking down the ha hallway going, yo, where are you, ghost? Mon up the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like down the hallways until we find it. And that was so much fun. Just like all together mm -hmm. being like, boop, 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 boop. 
Um, and so I think even if I was in a big place, I would still do that because it is more fun when you're together all having a laugh than yeah, 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 off yeah, in yeah. your separate places. I totally agree with that. Um, oh, so Pratine, I, I know. So what uh, company do you work for then? I have my own company. Uh, I do 50-50. So 50% of the time I do contract work for other people. I'm actually, I am a games writer. Uh, and um, the other 50% I spend on developing my own projects and pitching stuff and all of those sort of things. Oh, cool. That is also, that is, yeah, exactly. That is how uh, I once hired Kitty. For your sense. It was a blast. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we worked together on the, about two years ago. Yeah, one and a half years yeah, ago. I, I can't remember. It's it's great having people in the podcast who work in the games industry. Um, also, I, I, I like I remember when I was younger, like thinking I'd like to work in the games industry because I like video games. And now, just over the last ten years, I'm like, God, I, it looks awful in there sometimes. Yeah, indeed. It's, but you work for your passion. It's okay. When you've met the right people, and you then from there create a solid network of other good people. Um, you yeah. kind of start to insulate yourself against a lot of that stuff because it's very easy to go, hey, this person's come to me with a job. Do you know them? Are they good? And and then you can get recommendations because mm. the industry is actually incredibly small. Like everybody. Kinda... It is incredibly small, but that, that also means that you occasionally run into. So like the guy I was mentioning during my bits um, where uh, only later on you discover like, oh, maybe not such a great guy. Mm. and that kind of sucks There's, I've definitely had bits and pieces of that where somebody you think's alright and then you find out later that they're not actually alright and, mm -hmm. and that sucks but uh, you still have the to way, the, way that I, the way that I see it is, is that I mean I've worked in media I've worked in IT you have the same people it's just that people in games are a lot more vocal about all the assholes yeah and I also think that because the games industry is still quite young as well you find these people can kind of like i watched the uh, tommy tallarico video from each bomber guy the other day holy shit this man has built his career online about literally everything and nobody at any point has fact checked which is really easy to do and until each bomber guy was like, I'm going to look at this dumb signed thing. Whoops, fell down a rabbit hole of complete and utter fabrication. Uh, so I started watching the start of that. I, I haven't, I just watched the first 10 minutes of the video, but I loved how it went from, oh, this is an interesting sound to like this guy who has like a sort of tiger room or something. And his, Chris, his man's just like, oh, I'm watching the rest of this. The video. This is devolves into absolute madness and i love but this ha happens to h bomber guy a lot right where he'll like start into a topic and then halfway through he'll be like i'm so sorry this got away from me there's like the video is now this long S sorry <laughs> um <laughs> anyway um i kind of lost track at what point we started like officially did we officially start talking again i don't think we did but uh here we are uh, this leads very nicely, actually, onto some new stuff, which we said we were going to talk about. Um, and in the last couple of weeks, there's been uh, the thing about the Doom composer. What's their name, Bertine? You're the one that knows the most about this because you actually read his Wait, article. So, 
Persophagus has said, yes, I've read the article. Yeah, mm. so his name is Mick Gordon. I've read the article. However, the article was uh, posted on November the 9th. We are currently on November the 27th. Yes, it's old news. <laughs> so, so And by the time I this gets posted... <laughs> it's going to be even later. It's going to be super relevant. Um, however, I think that the open letter is still very interesting. Uh, yeah. It is a very long read. It is on a, on a, it's like a meme article. Um, but a man has receipts. I, like, everything is documented. This guy, like, no matter what Bethesda is saying right now, uh, mm. and Bethesda is saying a lot, mm. um, this guy has all the receipts. There's just, yeah. it, it, it appears that he, um, the collaboration that Mayor Gordon had with uh, with Bethesda, and specifically with um, let me see, uh, studio director Marty Stratton, mm. is um, one of the most toxic work relationships I've seen. The type of emails that uh, were being sent to Mick is that for me would be a moment. So I do freelance work just to to give a little bit more uh, perspective. Um, I would have dropped his clients. I a long, long time before. I mean, sorry, a long time before. Yeah, a long time before. Like, and I completely understand why Mick Garden didn't because you know making a making a soundtrack for well, he already made the soundtrack for Doom, right? And so you you don't realize when you have that type of working relationship when you already have a successful project done together, um, you don't realize in what sort of danger you're getting into when the whole mood changes because you're always going to be looking at back at the previous project that you've done and it's mm. like oh yeah but we, we we got that in order right but uh but a few of the things that i think is quite noteworthy so first of all the tone in the emails absolutely gross second of all the fact that he had to spend months asking for payments for for tracks that had been approved and then suddenly no longer approved and then it turned out it was being put on the on the soundtrack. It's absolutely horrendous. My understanding of it is, this is the timeline, right? The mm. there was complaints about the music or something like that about Doom Eternal, right? And then the director or whoever was this guy's mm. line manager went to Reddit to complain about it and blamed the composer. Yes. Yeah, so so thank you, Kitty. Before I start ranting on uh, much further about the horrendous uh, <laughs> relationship, but yeah, so the reason why Mick Gordon posted this whole expose to begin with was because uh, Marty Stratton uh, decided. So there was a there was a huge kerfuffle about the uh, Doom Eternal uh, original soundtrack. Um, so not the soundtrack that's in the game itself, but the um, the LP that they released for all the special backers or the special editions. Because um, the problem turned out to be that uh, on the, the tracks themselves were very badly put on the CD. It felt like it wasn't finished. It felt like it wasn't mixed together properly. Like it was incredibly amateuristic. And so rightfully, people were starting to complain because, you know, they spent some money on it and all of that sort yes. of stuff. Then apparently the director, so Mar uh, yeah, Marty Stratton, he posted on Reddit a huge letter about how it wasn't their fault, but it was actually Mc Mc Gordon's fault. Right, and which so, again, like if a client if a client does that, that's, yeah. a, that's a that's a big oof. no no right, um, <laughs> and and then so what I heard 
was that uh, Gordon was then, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I, I heard that he was offered a settlement, basically, to keep his mouth shut. Yeah. And then, yep. and then he was like, hey, how about no? And then released the big blog being like, hey, actually, this is everything that happened. Um, and so... Yeah, because Mick Gordon, all, all he wanted was the Reddit post to be removed. That is all he wanted from the whole thing. Uh, and instead the lawyers decided, like, no, the Reddit post is going to stay. Uh, and also, you should take a settlement. It was like, well, no. Well, you could have paid me for that stuff in the, at the first because the, because the, the, a lot of money on that they said they weren't going to use and then didn't pay him and then did use it. That's mm. so it's I haven't read the article, but it seems like I've garnered the important parts based on what's being said, which is a good thing, right? Because um, mm. people should know. Uh, but the thing for me in all of this is that way on. Uh, Mick Gordon for for being public because for him going public for him showing this kind of stuff it makes me think about the hundreds or thousands of people in probably very similar situations that are not in a position to talk about it or able to talk about it like if, if this is the way this guy is getting on with Gordon imagine how he's treating everybody else in his team that haven't been able to talk about it. Like it, I hope that the yeah. takeaway for people who've read that article or who know the story realize that Gordon is one of thousands being treated this way in the industry, which sucks. Oh, oh. I mean, it's it it's it's horrendous, but it's also um, where where do you think this guy gets the the attitude from? Because I mean. <laughs> What is it about these industries that attract absolute psychopaths? Like Tommy Tallarico is another example of somebody that's like literally well known for like in at least in the last whatever, like not much, right? He does the games live. Fair enough. And that's it. <laughs> it's just, it, there's something about it that people who talk loud enough so so what are one of the interesting details i find about bethesda is that so long years ago i saw a talk by them must have been an important may person maybe might might have even been marty i don't know uh but let's say it was going to be marty because i think that's nicer in terms of like you know the narrative that we've constructed here anyway they said something along the lines of um that uh they hire people who've made mistakes before like you don't need to have, um, you don't need to have made like a successful game or even like if you've made a bad game, then you're also welcome by Bethesda. And on one hand, you know, back then I was like, oh, that's actually really, you know, very good, you know, uh, mm. that they understand that failure is just as much a part mm -hmm. of the job as success. But now seeing all of this, reading all of that, I'm like, ooh, that might also just be an excuse for mediocrity, and l allowing people like stratton to climb the ladder um based on failure rather than based on um i mean there's two types of failure like there's failure that you're looking at and you're like i can completely understand why this went wrong we've all made bad games uh that sort of stuff right yeah because you know your budget and the team and the whatever and the deadline and publisher 
But then there's also failure because you've been, I don't know, playing on your Xbox for nine months. And then in the last three months, you're like, oh, yeah, I should be making a game because that's within the contract. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> and if you're treating, yeah, and if you're treating both failures as the same type of failure, you're going to get Marty's. Yeah, <laughs> it makes total sense. Like, and, and I don't think any of us can see behind the veil to see exactly what their definition of failure is, right? Um, mm. I also ask questions of like, isn't it excuse? Is it part of the way to be able to pass off what happens a lot in the industry, which is mates hiring mates, right? So friends hiring oh, friends, yeah. um, because there's at least I'm not I, I can't name names, but there's at least a couple people, probably more than a couple people, that I know that are terrible, terrible, horrible, toxic people in the industry. They keep getting work because they have friends in high places. Um, and I, yeah, that just <laughs> keeps happening over and over again, and they just feel upwards because of it. Well, everybody knows that the best hires come from Twitter, don't they, Gibby? <laughs> <laughs> well, was. there's lots of uh, there, there's, it was. <laughs> there's lots of people coming out of Twitter these days for some reason. Um, I, I have another perspective as well. Um, what's interesting about this, like, like this idea of shit toxic management cultures and games companies and i'm not in the gaming industry unlike uh, both of you so i get a very kind of i think it's like, interesting to hear perspective from, it, yeah it's 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 good to hear from from somebody uh looking in i guess as well well for me the big question so what what does uh, a company like bethesda have in, com uh, in common with another company that's also revealed a horrible toxic management culture like activision blizzard recently mm. they've both been acquired by microsoft and I'm very, unlike Microsoft has spent a lot of money acquiring these uh, companies. To be clear, Doom Eternal was released in 2020 and Microsoft didn't acquire Bethesda until 2021. Mm. Um, obviously, the, 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 sorry, I'm going to keep saying Activision Blizzard, as Stephanie Sterling would insist. Uh, this has been going on for years. But I want to see some movement from Microsoft as well um, because they have the money and the power to say... Um, if we're going to spend this kind of money, if we're going to invest this in your companies, we need to see some substantive changes. Sorry. If it goes three. Um, so, so yeah, if it goes say, three. It will say, however, is just that Microsoft does have a good track record cleaning up companies. Hmm. So maybe if, if the FTC lets that go through, which is one of the other news points, oh, yeah. because <laughs> it's being contested and might not go through because of... Uh, it's not antitrust, but it's anti-competition or something like that. Uh, you know, if they buy everything, then there's no competition. Um, but yeah, they probably would clean it up. My, you know, go-to is always unionize, right? Like, that's the real way to clean up these companies. Because if you, if the employees, you can't trust Microsoft to have the employee's best interest at heart. You can't trust any company to have the employee's best interest at heart. Not when it gets to a certain size. The only people you can trust to have the employee's best interest at heart is the employees. So, unions. Yes, but good unions. Yeah. Yes, good unions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, oh, here. my God. The, 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 oh, God. I watched the last video game union break down in real time because I was in the server and I watched it fall apart. Wow, that was a shit show. Yeah, yeah, that's why, that's why, you know, so, because that's the, so, so that's the interesting thing is, is that unions are great, however, 
if you're going to be running a union, do make sure that the people running your union are not sexist or racist or xenophobic or transphobic or, you know, all of these sort of things. Because then you can go to them and go like, hey, uh, I experience a sexism on the work floor. And they're like, oh, don't worry, you pretty little girl. Because <laughs> <Just, laughs> then oh, no. unions are, maybe, oh, wow. No. Like, it's, 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 mm. yeah. Another thing, just as a general chip in as someone coming from the outside, is like, I don't even know. I'm, I've kind of got to the point where it's like, this hobby that I enjoy, I don't think there's a company I can buy a game from, like, that hasn't done something bad in some respect None of the big anymore. Ones, really. Yeah. And even the, the ones like... that seem good. There's, so I've noticed this happening, recurring and recurring, and, and I think, Bertine, you can verify this as well. There's a lot of, not greenwashing, but wholesome washing happening. There's a lot of companies, even Annapura and Modern Wolf and all these ones that are like, we we make wholesome and different and whatever. They're the fucking worst internally. And like, there's some companies that I, I know for certain are purposely doing this wash and then internally are like, <laughs> we're going to do whatever the fuck we want anyway um uh but but there's not a lot it's not been exposed i guess but yeah sorry chris i interrupted you were we no that, that was basically that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism uh, as the old meme goes but like I, like I, I sort of you know i'm not gonna what was it someone was talking it was about blizzard specifically and i can't remember who it was but they were saying look there's there's there are some people who you, you can't chastise everyone you know enjoy your games just be conscious of where they come from because there are some people who just their lives are on world of warcraft they do nothing else with their lives and, and you know i'm not gonna take that away from them but you know and I'm, go I'm going to get diablo 4 but by god uh, don't worry i will complain about blizzard when i'm doing yeah it. you should still um, complain but it reminds me of way back when when your woman uh I can't remember exactly how to pronounce her name, but the feminist frequency woman, whenever she first started. Um, and it's a Sarkeesian. Yes, that one. Um, um, it was like right back in her very initial videos, I think even before the Kickstarter, where she was like, I'm criticizing these, but that does not mean that I don't enjoy this media. I think you can enjoy media whilst also being critical of it. And that was always her take on it, at least then. Um, uh, and then people still like <laughs> went mental on her. She was like, "I enjoy Mario, but I can still criticize the this this the the damsel in distress thing. Like you, both of these things can exist, um, a hundred percent because it's so unavoidable, right? It's the same thing as like I'm privacy conscious, but I'm also conscious that I need a network to get work. So I'm not gonna, you know, I'm still on Twitter even if I have privacy. You know, both things can exist at the same time." But it is yeah. interesting what you're mentioning because so so that's a dilemma I currently have with Twitter is is that how long can I still be on Twitter? I need Twitter or at least social networking for networking purposes. But at what point is it no longer ethical to be a, yeah, well not just viable, but also for me. How long is it gonna be ethical for me to be on Twitter? That's a tough one because we need yeah. to work to live, right? And Twitter for a long time has been a network for freelancers. And I you think mean you don't enjoy using LinkedIn. Uh, but you'll have LinkedIn is... posts, and LinkedIn posts are the worst. They're the worst, right? <laughs> and the thing with LinkedIn oh. that I find interesting is that I don't go to LinkedIn for a vibe check. 
I go to Twitter for a vibe check because people are oh, using yeah. it casually and not just as a networking tool. So if I go to LinkedIn, I'm seeing somebody's very structured, very professional. Hey, this is me. Hire me. But if I go to Twitter, I'm going to see their weird fucking octopus porn on top of every all the other stuff they do. And I'm going to be like, ah, okay. All right. Well, and he's just like, save. <laughs> right. I'm not at the vibe check. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't resist. I think I uh, just... <laughs> We're getting a little bit off topic for what I'll say about LinkedIn because I have a lot to say about LinkedIn. Okay. Um, you just mentioned the the, the ideas of green, uh, greenwashing and wholesome washing. Yes. It's this idea of impression management. So it's not about actual structural change. It's about giving the impression of change to manage impressions. To me, LinkedIn LinkedIn is impression management, the platform. I, I, like, it's, yeah. I don't believe anything I read on it. That's why I'm not going to hire somebody from just based on that. Go ahead, Bertie. Oh, no, no, no. Well, so what I was going to say, um, what I do think is important to note with the wholesome washing is, is that... I do think it is very typical because so Wholesome Direct has been founded by I think two women. Uh, they can beat me up in real life if I'm wrong because I know them. Um, but so you have yeah, but you basically have this very small kind of like grassroots initiative about making sure that more wholesome games are going to get attention because most of the time all the attention goes to the large, blaring, violent, whatever sort of things. The stuff that I like, um, and. Now you see that, oh, apparently this is a niche. And now you see these larger companies also kind of like going like, oh, we make wholesome games with cute graphics and animals that you can pet and all of these sort of things. And I'm just sort of like, I'm angry. I'm angry now. That's always going to happen, though. And like, it's a classic thing of bigger companies don't like to take risks. And so they let the indies and the smaller companies take the risks for them. And then when they've proven a, a, an audience base, then they jump in. Um, but yeah, it's like it, a good example is the Montreal company that's uh, making, it's not called Spirit. It's the, the one about the woman going around taking the photographs um, and, a, and it looks super wholesome and super lovely. And then it turns out that the, the team director, the husband and wife combo... And the husband's a total asshole and used to work at the local uh, co-working space for games. And he would regularly steal things on people. He would regularly do shitty things on people. And then they graduated to their own office space and lo and behold, they're still being shitty. And then when everyone complains about him, the wife is like, meh. <laughs> Par example. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh. Shall we complain about Nintendo briefly as part of the news? Segment? Yeah, I think we'll wrap that. We'll wrap that up. But I, I like. I think that was a an interesting discussion on that. That is basically like, well, it's hard to ethically consume, but just try Sorry, and be we've... aware and hold people accountable when you uh, can. How do we, you? We... How how do you? How are you a good person nowadays? How how do you do thing? Do I'm do I, honestly Bertine, I satisfy for being medium. <laughs> I'm a medium. Have you ever? You've all watched the Good all Place, right? That's good I mean, we've all watched the Good Place. Yeah, the Good Place just sums it up perfectly that it's pretty damn impossible to even do simple things and be considered a good person because if you actually looked into where what the journey that thing had to go through to get to you, probably pretty unethical. Um, but yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll briefly talk about the mess that is the Pokemon release. It still sold 10 million copies. <laughs> and, and do you know who one of those 10 million copies went to? You. It went to me. And do you know, there's a sad personal story here, which I want to use to 
to, to highlight the big listen <laughs> i i remember playing like pokemon red or something when i was a kid we all do and i really yes and i really enjoyed it but unlike a lot of people for some reason i just didn't get any more pokemon games i went through my adult life and I didn't go back to them. And then I, I saw Arceus, but I thought, it looks a bit rough. It looks like they're they're nearly there. It's nearly what I want from a Pokemon game, but it's a bit rough. I bet you the next one will be when they when they push it over the line. No. and get it. They won't regress. It won't go backwards in quality. And so I actually did something I don't even do that much these days. I pre-ordered the game on the Nintendo eShop. Because I thought it looked like from the, the early release material, it looked pretty, pretty decent. I'm enjoying Chris's personal pain here. <laughs> Over and something then, so really my, like this is me. I was excited, Kitty Bertine. I was going to relive my my Pokemon adventures of of my youth, and then it got to the day before, and the reviews came out, and even people who are sympathetic towards Pokemon and like it were like, "This is a technical shit show." Yeah. Like even if you're someone who doesn't care about graphics or performance, this is this is the thing that might break you. And I said, "Oh shit, I better cancel this." But here's the interesting thing about Nintendo and the eShop in particular. Uh, they have a really shit refund policy, and even it was the day before release, I tried to refund the thing, and Nintendo were just like, "No, you may not." And I was like, "What do you mean, no, Nintendo?" Of course, I'm arguing with like an e-store yeah. front, so nothing happened. So now I own Pokemon Scarlet, and I like I'm finishing God of War, of course, looking forward to the Callisto Protocol. But I think over Christmas, I'm going to ha- I'm, I kind of feel obliged to to play it, you Please know, some cost it. fallacy, and so on. But it's like my childhood. Uh, dreams are ruined. I'm never buying another Pokemon game at this rate. Yeah. I, I hope they're happy. And you can bet, like, whatever complaints people have had for, for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, I'm going to return them tenfold because I couldn't return the fucking thing. I even used, you know the, the, the eShop store points you save up for buying other games? They give you a little bit of money yeah. towards your next Use purchase. That. I saved up, like, 20 quids worth and I put it towards Pokemon oh, Scarlet. Amazing. And now I'm stuck with this buggy fucking mess. And you know, it's Game Freaks, so, so they won't, like, patch the thing. So I know it's going to be There'll this be some forever patches, now. I'm sure. Because like, uh-huh. I thought Arceus, to me, yeah, it looked like a step in the right direction. I've talked about the idea of how one of the things that's being lost with games getting more and more polished is that kind of charm that older games have. That they're not necessarily buggy, but maybe their systems aren't perfect or, or, or you know, things could be better, but it adds to the charm of the game. And Arceus felt like that to me, where it was like a genuinely good game, but had added unexpected charm by some of the weird bugs uh the latest ones just seem like a shit show but seeing the clips of them on reddit is endlessly joyful for me <laughs> so i'm happy that other people are suffering from my joy <laughs> there's gonna be a big list like a big old old-fashioned handwritten list like a page beside me i'll just be sitting writing all this oh my god just write a blog all right so, don't, but... don't bring it to the podcast yeah. oh it's coming to the podcast so with with games uh, with games like this, uh, what I think is quite funny is that like I have not played a Pokemon game since. I don't want to talk about how old I am. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but what I do think is interesting when these sort of things happen, like it's a big event, right? And everybody talks about it, and then it's a disappointment, and so people talk even more about it. Like it's this whole cultural moment. This is this is like a like a World Cup of shitty game stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and you see this whole connection that people are creating with each other, like not over like a nice little Animal Crossing, but purely over the frustration that the Pokemon game is not as good as it could have been. I mean, in a roundabout kind of way, like you don't need to uh, explain to me how to bond with people over spite. I mean, I, I can do that. So I guess in a way, it's it's like 
Ah, but now it's 10 mind. million people. Now it's 10 million people you can bond 10 with. million people bonded by some form of spite. I guess that's kind <laughs> of brilliant. There's also the idea of, like, all publicity is good publicity, right? And will this generate sales? Likely not. But um, one of the things that interests me is that despite it being such a shit show, right? Let's look at God of War uh, Ragnarok, right? That sold over 5 million in the first week, right? Which is huge. That's huge for PlayStation. Pretty impressive. Um, and Pokemon was is is shite and sold 10 million in the first week. <laughs> and you're just like... <laughs> but that's just... It's, it's also a testament of how much more successful the casual gamer console is compared to any of the the considered hardcore consoles, right? I mean, um, I don't even know how many switches are there right now, oh, and also way more po than Pokemon and Xbox. That's how much. Um, Pokemon's such a huge brand at this point. I mean, they release a game every year, and then there's all the toys and merchandise and all the other stuff. Um, the best-selling console is still PlayStation Two at 155 million, but in this current generation, the Switch has sold 114 million. The PlayStation is 25 million. The Xbox is 12 million. Um, and even if we want to look at the PlayStation 4, this it's slight. The PlayStation 4 is slightly more than the Switch, but that's considered last generation. But yeah, the, the Switch is like has sold more than double of the other consoles combined. That's kind of hard because there's a real. There's still like you still can't get a PlayStation 5. There's you just can't get a hold of the consoles so i don't think that's entirely fair to be honest um, yeah there's there's also quite a vocal i said number of people i guess you can encounter online sometimes um who will argue that oh no the switch is it, it's too it's too underpowered it needs to be replaced and it's like i don't think nintendo were looking at their sales numbers and thinking oh we need to replace this immediately and if care. pokemon proves anything it's like yeah well i don't think the performance issues could be completely put down yeah. the switch's power um but you know people it'll sell 10 million copies even if it neither looks good nor runs well so i don't think nintendo were really feeling the pressure right now to to release a no, switch too but nintendo's never been about par right they've always been about ingenuity and trying something different and that's where they find success they've always known that trying to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with playstation and, and xbox was never going to work for them and so they never tried um which smart in my mind um, and they've had a few stinkers, like the Wii U bombed, but they take risks, and when it works, it really works. So, you know. I'm looking at my poor little U me Wii U over there. <laughs> yeah, the Wii, Wii U. Wii U. Oh. Two times. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> anyway, uh, that feels like a good place to, to wrap up. Um, this has been a slightly different format than we normally do for our episodes, but I've really enjoyed it. I think it was, uh, I think it was good, and we had good chats. And um, thank you very much, Bertine, for joining us. It was great to have you. If, do you want to plug anything? Uh, I um, <laughs> like don't to... stay on Twitter, folks. I want to plug. I want to anti-plug. Go, go and <laughs> you want to unplug. I want to go unplug. outside. That is what I want. <laughs> I want to unplug. Go, go, go play outside. In the grass. <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks for, for listening, our dedicated 30-ish followers. <laughs> go unplug and touch grass. <laughs> we love you. We genuinely love you. Don't listen uh, to outside. this online speaker in front of your family. Uh, it's no. a mistake. That's anyway. our advice. You get advice this week. Yeah, go outside and touch grass.
touch grass. Don't listen to this with a speaker. And come back next time and listen to the next one. Those are the three things you need to do for a happy life. Yes. The next episode is going to be our Game of the Year episode where we're going to talk about our favourite games mm. of 2022. And I already know what mine is and so does Chris and we're very excited. Um, so yeah, have a great whatever time is in between this episode and the next episode. Yeah, what do you even do like when we're not here? Uh, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.